So we did it. Today is December 31st, and that means that if you go to our Bible reading plan or if you go on our Spotify, there is no reading for today. The last reading was yesterday. We did it. We went through the Bible in one year, and that meant we went, we started in Genesis in January 1st. How'd that begin? It began something like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And yesterday, we ended with the final words in, in Revelation. And, and it's helpful to actually look at those words because as we frame this, I want to be really clear how it ends. Listen to the final words. Amen, come Lord Jesus. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's holy people. So that's the story of Scripture, and that's, I gave you the opening sentence and the closing sentence. We had an opportunity as a church to make a New Year's resolution last year. What we said in December is, hey, you know what God is calling us and leading us as a congregation to do? It's to go through the Bible. So we set that up, so we had reading plans and listening plans, and we had all sorts of things set up, and many people, 50 people, for the first time, we believe, have now gone through the Bible because of the work of this ministry and this church. So wonderful, praise God. But I want to tell you about a couple of these things, because as we look at doing this, it means that New Year's resolutions, when done right, can happen, can't they? Because you're seeing it. You're seeing this was an every single day resolution that many people in this congregation, so I'm going to credit this church, whether you were directly involved or you're just part of our church, this church had this successful resolution. Now, when we look at kind of who was involved in the podcast, so there was a podcast, and we had this little microphone and stand, and there was a sound shield, and there was all sorts of things, and I'll get into that later. But when we think of kind of who tuned in, this podcast had number one listening in Plymouth. That makes sense. And then where do you think the second most listened place was? Boston. It's kind of random, isn't it? When Plymouth, then Boston, then Carver. Now, you'll never, unless you were here with us last night, you'll never guess places four and five. But I like to call this Faith Community South because number four was Tampa, Florida. And number five was, and I didn't know this was a place. I'm so sorry. Jupiter, Florida. Who knew? I thought Jupiter was a planet. Silly David. Now, here's where I bring this up. We went through the Bible in a year. And that meant we had an opportunity to really focus on certain parts of the Bible in sermons. So you'll remember in the fall, we did a whole um, study on Colossians. You'll remember early on, we did all sorts of different things with the various books in the Old Testament. But we weren't able to preach on every single story this year. There were some things that we skipped. So as we're concluding our series, and we're done with Through the Bible as of today, we have the opportunity to pick one final story. And truthfully, I had the pick of anything we didn't do. And when I was looking at this and discussing it and prayerfully considering it, there's really one story that jumped out because I believe it tells us a lot about not only where we were in through the Bible, but it really gives us a blueprint for 2024. Would you agree with me that we live in a culture that's exceptionally different from what we would like it to be? Would you agree that we live in a culture that seems to become more and more hostile or different or estranged from Christianity? It's exceedingly pro-Christian. And so therefore, as we're going into 2024, 
we acknowledge that those of us who love Jesus and have faith, that we are starting to live in a more pluralistic society. So therefore, the story of Daniel 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, offers a really wonderful look at kind of some different things that we can see. Because in the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you see three guys who have unity. They are fully united. They say, hey, we're in this together. We're going to go through something difficult, and it's not going to be us on an island. We've got community. Look around in this room. You, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, have community. Also, they do things with courage. They're not trying to do, and you'll see, I'll summarize the story, but when Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego are standing up, they're not doing so out of fear, but they're also not doing so in a braggadocious way either. They're just standing up with moral courage and saying, hey, this is what we believe in, here's where we are, because they have an identity that they are children of God, that they follow God, and that his way is often different than the world's way, and that's okay, they live with integrity. So as we look at this story, it really has a lot for us to consider as we're kind of considering this coming year. So let, let's, let's, if you're very familiar with the story, here will be a review. If you've never heard of this story before, open up your Bibles. I won't read the 30 verses necessarily. I want to summarize it for you. We're going to be in Daniel chapter 3 in the Old Testament. Go towards the left in your Bible. Here's what happens. You've got a group of guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those aren't their original names, but they're young Jewish men. And they had another friend, Daniel. Now, Daniel's not in this story. There's all sorts of wonderings why. We won't get into that. But this story is focused on the three of them. They have lived a different way for a while. They were pulled out of where they grew up, and they were taken forcibly in exile to Babylon. Imagine that you're here in Plymouth, and you're forcibly taken, let's go to Ohio. A little bit farther, but imagine that kind of idea. Now, so they're taken and gone. Here's the thing. As we look at these guys, they're not making some quick decision to act different. They've had this long-term view of, hey, we're going to follow God. And so this king is named Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar decides to build a 90-foot-tall statue that's nine feet wide, and it's gold. And here's what he says. I'm the greatest king. Now, if you know anything about kings or leaders or parents, the moment we say, I'm the greatest, are we really the greatest? We're very insecure. Nebuchadnezzar's a really insecure guy. You'll see he even thinks he's a cow at one point later in Scripture. Not making that up. So he's a really complicated guy, but he builds this statue, and it's 90 feet high and 9 feet wide. And he says, everybody's going to bow. And so they all start doing it. And everybody bows, except three guys. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And rather than getting away with it, the magicians and the advisors and all these different people notice and they say, hey, we don't like these guys to begin with. We resent that they have a different religion, different lifestyle. We feel kind of weird that they're here. So this is our opportunity to get them. And so they say, oh, king, live forever. These horrible people that you promoted, they're doing the wrong thing. They're not bowing. And Nebuchadnezzar, the king, gets really upset. And he pulls him, and he's like, this is your final shot. I've heated up a furnace seven times hotter than normal, and you have a choice. You're either going to bow right now, or you're going to go in the furnace. And they, 
And we're going to focus on this part. So they give a response, and it's in verse 16, 17, and 18. And the response they give is really powerful for us. You're going to see that there's three New Year's resolutions we can pull out of this response. But here's what they essentially say. Okay, king, that's fine, but we're not going to argue with you. We're not going to bow. God's going to save us. And then they're thrown into the furnace. How many people appear in the furnace? Four. In a Bible study, we can talk about who that fourth one is. Just remember that an additional person appears. And now the king realizes, oh, wow, I've messed up, pulls them out of the furnace and says two things. Number one, no one's ever going to speak bad about your God again. He's the real deal. And number two, the three guys get promoted. Now, when we're looking at this story, you can say, what does this story have to do with today? Well, it has to do with a lot because these three guys make a resolution, the right kind of resolution. When we go into the new year, we often have resolutions that fail. And the reasons our resolutions fail, have you ever made a New Year's resolution? Have you ever made a New Year's resolution that you didn't keep? Here's, here's a common reason. Inc. Magazine outlines a number of reasons why. Here's two reasons. Because too often, a resolution I make is focused on an endpoint. Like, I'm going to do something that's going to result in me running a marathon. Too often, they're focused on an achievement. I'm going to do something that's going to result in me running X time in that marathon. The better kind of resolutions should not be so focused on endpoints and achievements because what happens if we miss our endpoint? If we don't get there, we say we failed. If we don't achieve what we wanted to achieve in a resolution, we say we failed. But if we focus on process, for example, I'm going to be in the process of running this year and I'm going to move my body in a healthy way. That is a much better resolution because it's process-based and habits... When we look and say, okay, my goal is not going to be to run a marathon this year, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to, no matter what else is going on in life, three times a week for 30 minutes, move my body in a healthy way, either by walking, jogging, or running. Now that's a better resolution. What we see in the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is they show us why theirs did well. It's because of this. They saw that faithful living is a process. That's why they succeeded. Because they saw that this isn't, hey, I can live however I want, but there's going to be a time where culture is going to test me, and at that moment, I'm going to become a perfect Christian, and at that point, I'm going to show people up. No, what they realized is that faithful living, serving God, is an all-of-life walk, and it's a walk with God through the ups, through the lows, through the times when no one notices them. Remember, if you've ever read the book of Daniel, in Daniel 1, this starts when they're grabbed and they're given all this food and wine and all these different things from the king's table, and they say, hey, that's not what it means to live for God. We're going to have the process of a long-term faith. They all succeed because our life habits matter to God. And what we see is that even like with their friend Daniel, why does Daniel get thrown in the lion's den later? It's because he's got a life habit of prayer no matter what else is going on. So as we're looking at our resolutions, I want us to be clear. Faithful living is a process, and our life 
habits matter to God. And so as we're picking resolutions, I'm going to ask you to pick resolutions that are processed and habits-based so that this year can be our Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego year. That's our big idea for today. I want to read this with you, and I want you to read this with me. 2024 will be my Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego year. Let's read this. Ready? 2024 will be my Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego year. So we're going to look in the text, and I want to give you three resolutions. You can take all three. You can take one of them. These are process-based. These are habit-based, and they come right out of the reason that the three buddies say to Nebuchadnezzar of why they're not going to bow and what they're going to do. So let's start in verse 16, and let's look at the first resolution. Number one, I will shift from defending my values to living my values. We'll talk about this in a moment. This is a very timely idea for us as Christians in 2024 because it is so easy to become a culture warrior. No matter which side you go or how you do it, it's so easy to default to arguing and defending first and sacrificing living. We want to have convictions, and the primary way Scripture shows us to have our convictions is to live them out, to walk the walk. Here's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied on why we're never going to bow to the king. O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. Okay. So they have an opportunity. The king pulls them aside, and he's like, you're going in the furnace or bowing. They could have gone in this long discussion of this is what we believe, this is why you're wrong, this is why we're right, this is what God has commanded. But these were devout Hebrew Jewish people who had internalized the Psalms and the Scriptures. And it's interesting because theologians and scholars have said that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would have been probably thinking a specific psalm in their head during this. They would have been thinking about Psalm 38. Listen to what Psalm 38 says, and then think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Watch this. I am deaf to all their threats. I am silent before them as one who cannot speak. I choose to hear nothing, and I make no reply, for I am waiting for you, O Lord. These guys don't feel the need to defend themselves verbally because they're waiting on God. And they're realizing that God is able to save, that God is able to defend himself, and our responsibility is to obediently follow, not to default to warring with people and arguing and, and, and doing all these things that simply pull us farther and farther away from people without really living out what God's asking us to do. When we think of this, it's really important for us to see that they knew that ultimately if they got into kind of an arguing match with Nebuchadnezzar, he was still going to disagree with them. The only way that Nebuchadnezzar would change was God changing him. And that's really important because that's hard for us because we think and, and we get anxious. And I'm going to name the anxiety. We love Jesus. We love the Bible. We love our values. And we get worried, right? We get worried about other stuff. And so we start to think, okay, I think what it means to be a faithful Christian is I need to, like, argue with people to tell them that they're wrong. And the problem with that 
is that when I get into a back and forth with someone I disagree with, maybe you're a better debater than I am, but I've never successfully convinced someone I've been stuck in an argument with, with that they were wrong and I was right. I've only lost friendships over it. However, when I have found in my life that I start living my values, I've noticed that sometimes people will walk alongside and God will change them over time. But I liken it to this. Imagine you're a basketball coach and you're a new basketball coach. In fact, you're not just any basketball coach. You're coach Joe Mazzula. And if you don't know who that is, he's the coach of the Boston Celtics. And here's why it's helpful. Do you ever feel like in your life you're where you are because of complicated reasons? Like, you had this storybook dream for your life. You wanted this wonderful childhood, and childhood was kind of complicated. You wanted to be an amazing student, and you didn't like math. And you wanted to have perfect romance, but life isn't a perfect romance. And now you're in kind of this complicated place, but you're here. You're sitting here, and now you have an opportunity to say, what am I going to do? That's what Joe Missoula has. Joe Missoula is the coach of the Celtics, not because he was selected as the coach, but because there was a scandal with the previous coach, and he was brought in on an emergency basis. And there was an article that came out, and the article basically said, so he's in year two. In year one, it described him as someone who kind of sat in his office and really worried about what he was going to say and how he was going to defend himself and how he was going to make sure the right thing was said at the press conference. Whereas this year, he's just tried to be the coach. He's just tried to say, hey, I, I don't need to defend everything. I'm just going to live out my values, my belief. He was actually asked recently, hey, what are you going to do to prep for this really difficult game? And he said, that's easy. Uh, I'm going to make breakfast. Then I'm going to go for a walk. Then I'm going to go to the game, and I'm going to coach basketball. And he's lived out his values. Notice he didn't say, like, I'm going to argue with everyone and tell them that they think I'm too young or too inexperienced. No, he just said, I'm going to be the coach. And so what I want to invite us to do is to ask this question. Are we going to focus in 2024 on arguing our values or living out our values? I want to be super clear. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego took a really, really clear stand about what they believed in through their actions. That's what we get an opportunity to do. Can we live out our faith in tangible ways? Because there are challenges coming. It's 2023, and that means 2024 has the following. Number one, there are holidays that are unavoidable next year. They're gonna bring extended family together. There's gonna be work parties that you're not gonna wanna do. There's gonna be all sorts of things that you wish didn't exist, and they're gonna happen. And you're gonna have a choice. Am I going to argue my values? Am I going to prove myself through kind of a back and forth discussion? Or am I going to realize that God has placed me in specific places? That's him. That's not me. Therefore, if I follow Jesus and pray for people and love them as neighbors, then I can have a much more powerful impact than any argument I can get in. We're going to have family birthdays and anniversaries. We're going to have negative anniversaries come up. Do you have any negative anniversaries in your family? A, a day you really dread? That's going to be an opportunity. Circle that on your calendar and say, thank you, Jesus. That is a wonderful opportunity for me to live out my values because that day will be hard. You'll get me through it. And what a wonderful testimony that'll be.
also, we look up and we realize that there's going to be an election season. It's going to be toxic, okay? If you think it's going to be bad, it's going to be worse, okay? It just is. I'm sorry. Like, I don't know what to tell you. I'll give you a message of hope about Jesus, but I'm not going to give you a message of hope about the election season. People are going to get mad. People are going to want to, like, not be your friend anymore because they're going to assume something about your political belief. So here's my invitation for you. I'm not kidding, right? We've tried it the other way. Let's be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Let's make it our Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego year and say, wow, I have wonderful relationship with Jesus. I pray for people. I pray for my country. I pray for my leaders. I pray for the values. I pray for the spheres of influence. And also, by arguing with friends, I'm just going to lose them. By getting into arguments with people I don't know on social media, it's just going to get me upset, and then I'm just going to not be as kind to my family. Therefore, this year, 2024, I resolve I'm going to focus on living my values out. Okay, so there's resolution number one. And truthfully, I took way longer on it than I will on the others because I'm going to be honest, when we think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, for 2024, I think that's the number one thing they can give us. We're coming to a time, let's live out our values. But number two, let's remember who we serve. So if you're wondering, like, hey, I want a resolution for this year. Here's the next thing they said, verse 17. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. So often, we think that the people in the Bible had this like different understanding of life than we did. So you'll say, oh, it's easy for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to believe that God would act because God acted recently then in mighty ways and like there were all sorts of signs and wonders. Okay, then why were they the only three doing this and all the other Israelites were bowing? It's always hard, okay? It's always hard to remember who you serve. It's always easy to say, God acted then, but he's silent now. It's always easy to say, hey, yes, I believe in the God of the pages of Scripture, but my life is kind of boring, and I don't see a lot of God action happening. So what I invite you as we look into this next year is to say, okay, I serve a God who saved Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I serve a God who's active, not passive. I serve a God who is able to save. I serve a God who is able to step in and intervene. When we were doing the Through the Bible project, so I want to talk to you about that. So if you listened, you probably just grabbed open your smartphone or you grabbed open your laptop and you hit play. For me to put it together, what it was is I had this microphone and I had a nice little... Um, little station that I set up with a soundproof booth and all sorts of things. And for at least 70 hours of my life, probably more with outtakes and all sorts of things, I sat behind this little booth and put on headphones and held out an iPad that had the scripture on it and read through. And I want to tell you my big thing I noticed. Over and over and over, the Bible says something really interesting that I've often missed. You maybe remember this, but you're more of a Bible scholar than I am. Remember the Exodus. That's an idea that comes out over and over and over. Remember, God saved the people out of Egypt. Remember the Passover. Remember that when all the firstborn of Egypt were killed, 
the firstborn of the Israelites were saved. The Exodus, and if you don't know what this is, here's what it is. The people of God were in Egypt, and there was this false king named Pharaoh, and there was false gods. And God said, hey, rather than having this happen quick, I'm going to send ten plagues. They're going to show over and over, one after another, why every single of the gods of Egypt is false and why the pharaoh of Egypt is a false king. And he proved himself. So if you ever in your life feel like you need God to prove himself, open up Exodus and take an afternoon and read it. Because God has proved himself. We remember the Exodus. Therefore, we have a question, though. Okay, so what about the tragedy or difficult thing I'm going through? Because before, we had all sorts of prayer requests, and I've heard some of them, and some of them are difficult things. And we have family members and loved ones who are in end of life. And we say, okay, this is hard, because yes, I remember that God is who I serve, and he's able to save, but here's a problem. God is all-powerful, yes. God is able to save Christians from every difficulty and every tragedy, yes. But I know that God doesn't save every Christian from every difficulty and tragedy. Would you agree? Okay. Therefore, now we have a question. So we say, well, God won't save every Christian from every tragedy, but I'll at least understand every difficulty and tragedy, right? No. And so now we're left saying, okay, well, this is challenging because what do I do next? Here's what I invite you to do. This is where we stop and we say, I remember who I serve. I remember that the God we serve is able to save. Now, in some situations, that means God will miraculously heal. And I'm looking around. I know of at least one that I'm immediately thinking of, of someone this past year who had a pretty miraculous thing happen in his life. But oftentimes, that also means that God is going to bring peace into situations, and it also means that God is able to save us by giving us eternal security and an eternal plan. So it's complicated, and therefore, as I'm going into 2024, which is also complicated, I can say, I don't necessarily have every single answer, but I remember who I serve. So my question for you is kind of simple. Will we choose to believe that God is still able to save in 2024? Will we still believe that? Because that's going to make a big difference in how I approach 2024. If I go into 2024 and say, I'm on my own, this is going to be a tough year, it's going to be a tough year. If I walk into 2024 and say, hey, the God of the Bible is present in my life, 2024 will not be perfect but I'm going to have the ability to stop and say, God, you are able to save. I'm going to remember that as I serve you and I walk forward. One final thing, as we look at resolutions, here's one final one. I won't let others dictate my choices. So in verse 18, we'll put a slide up. So in verse 18, you're going to see that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are starting to wonder all sorts of things that are next, and here's what they say. Even if he doesn't, your majesty, we want to make it clear. We will never serve your gods or worship the statue you have set up. So sometimes, do you ever feel like you live your life? And I feel like sometimes in my shadow self, in my worst moments, 
I live my life like this. See in which way the wind blows, right? Do we ever have this? Now, the challenge is, is when we do this socially or culturally, it really lands us into hot water as Christians, doesn't it? We start to get pulled by these forces and factors that, that don't have our best interests at heart. Some of them maybe have bad interests, and some of them are just kind of forces of randomness and chaos, and we're sitting and doing this, and now we're moving in all sorts of different directions. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have a clear bottom line. They say, we will never serve your gods. It doesn't matter if we go in the furnace, right? Because one of the big tactics that Nebuchadnezzar played with these guys is he said, basically, this is your final shot. You thought you were getting away with it. You thought you were off the hook. The reality is you're not. Bow or furnace, and we're turning it up seven times as hot. We have things in our lives where we have to decide, bow or furnace. But when we live like this, it doesn't actually make life better. We just are in kind of a middle school mentality. Do you ever have that middle school mentality in your life? You remember that? Sixth grade, seventh grade, that's when we started noticing that other people made decisions and we could go along with them. And in our worst moments, in our difficult moments, we often revert to that middle school mentality. I'll give you an example for me. When I was a seventh grader, uh, seventh grade was a rough year. I was in detention 42 times that year. So if you think that you have a teenager who's struggling, just remember your pastor was in detention 42 times in seventh grade. So here's one of the times I was in detention. I had these two buddies. And do you remember school milk? Hey, did anybody really like school milk? Yeah. No, we, none of us did. So what would happen is that at the end of lunch, there'd be this, this black big carton with these little milk cartons in there and be like 16 of them. You remember this? And now we were all in seventh grade, so we didn't know what to do with them. So my two friends did know what to do with them. Milk bombs. Okay? Milk bombs. That's what you do with them. So my two friends invited me one day and they said, hey, David, um, we're going to go take these 16 milks. There was probably 16, maybe 15. We're going to carry them outside. So we carried them outside. And I said, what are you going to do with them? They said, milk bombs. And then they showed me the play structure where there were a bunch of people. And I said, that's a horrible idea. Like, what are you talking about? And so they did milk bombs and they got away with it. And I'm going to be honest, it was kind of hilarious. <laughs> but I wasn't going to do it because I was a good Christian boy and I love Jesus and Jesus, nowhere in the Bible, says, thou shalt throw milk bombs at the play structure at the end of recess. However, the next day, I think I was in just a weaker state, and I decided, well, they, they, I mean, it's not the worst thing. Like, you're not punching anyone in the face. Like, it's not, it's not awful. And so I joined in on milk bombs, and Mr. Godeke showed up, our principal, and who do you think my two friends said was the ringleader of milk bombs? <laughs> when we get sucked into society and all sorts of other things, when we let what others do dictate our choices, we're just joining in on milk bombs, aren't we? When we go into 2024, here's my question. What if instead of joining in with the fray, of worrying about what other people are doing, what if we went back to the gospel? The gospel is really simple. We try to keep it really simple in this church, be able to really clearly articulate it. Number one, God created perfectly. Perfect God created perfectly. 
Life is designed to be good. Life is designed to be enjoyed. But there's a problem. Sin entered the world, and now we're powerless over it. Fortunately, what did we have this past week? Christmas, when someone came into the world, his name is Jesus. He's the answer. He lived a perfect life. He died on our behalf, rose again. And now we get to have faith. And, and also, in addition to all of that, there's something called a moral example. The gospel shows us a moral example also how to live our life, that we are to die to self, that at the times where I'm like throwing milk bombs at my workplace isn't that big of a deal. No, it is. My habits and my decisions and my choices matter to God. And I can say, wow, what if I let 2024 be the year where the gospel really, really guides my decision-making? Would you resolve that with me? What if we resolve to let the gospel guide our decision-making? So those are the resolutions. And what kind of year are we going to have? Are we going to have a gloomy year where we're worried about the election? Are we going to have a year where we say, hey, 2023 was rough, so I'm just going to ride it out, and I'm not sure. No, I want to invite you, let's have this kind of a year. Let's have a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego year. Sometimes at the end of services, we invite people to come forward for prayer. We're not going to do that. I want to do something different. I want to invite you to, from where you are, to pick a resolution. A resolution that's based on a process of faithful living and a habit that is tied to our understanding that God cares about my habits, cares about how I live, wants me to live a holy life. So therefore, maybe I'm sitting here today and I say, Daniel, resolution... Number one, I need to live out my values instead of arguing that. Maybe that's going to be your resolution this year. And maybe you say, you know what? There are things coming, and I've decided, I resolve that I'm going to live my values out this year. Maybe you're in a place where you're going to resolve... And you say, you know what, this year I'm just going to remember God. I'm going to remember that I serve God, that he's faithful in my life, and that he is mighty. And just because he doesn't always intercede doesn't mean he can't. And therefore, I'm going to live 2024 with a focus that God is active and I will remember him. Or the third one, I'm just going to ignore the crowd this year. This is going to be my year where I'm not going to throw the milk bombs. I'm not going to do the ridiculous behavior. I'm not going to feel guilty about staying out of culture. I'm not going to feel guilty about these other things. I'm just going to say, this is my year of following Jesus. So I want to invite this. Bow your heads with me. And I want you to, want you to say, you know, Lord, am I willing to take on one of these challenges and have a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego year? I want to pray over you. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come into 2024, help us realize this doesn't need to be the year of a resolution that we give up eight days later and feel bad about, but this year we can really see that if we need to let go of some things, that what we can fill it with, Lord, is we can fill it with living out our values. You've called us to love you. You've called us to love our neighbors. This can be the year not of defending, not of arguing, but living out our values. 
Lord, for some of us, this is the year where you're asking us to simply remember you at all times in our decisions, in our frustrations, in our moments. And Lord, we know that for others of us, this is simply the year where we're going to ignore the crowd. So Lord, I pray, I pray a blessing over us here. Lord, would you lead us and guide us and give us your peace as we make this 2024 a year just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.